0: Don't stop firing! I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green. Like, literally green.
1: My last nav check put me on the range point
0: four. This is Control. Be radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency.
1: Greetings, sits and Sivs. you're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 67 and was recorded on April 10th and made available for download April 14th at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Tony. I'm Jeff.
0: And I'm Lennon. What do we have
2: this week, Lennon?
0: Well, in this week's Squawk Box, Tony wants to ask me a couple of questions about newspapers and mushrooms. Okay, in CRG News we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, patch 1.1.1, 1. 10 for the Chairman, episode 59.1.1.1, 1. and of course our thoughts on Squadron 42, and 42.1, and 42.1.1.1.1. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets...
2: standing by.
0: <sighs> Jeff, 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 will you put those toys away? We're recording. Oh, Sorry yeah you will be as I was saying in Nuggets for Nuggets we're talking about the Orion mining platform and finally we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation
1: we've added a new feature to our website guardfrequency.com a Patreon campaign button we've got a variety of rewards and backer levels but if you know how Kickstarter works you're most of the way there of course we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge but it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it we thank everybody who's already chipped in, and hope you consider making a regular contribution.
2: The more support we get, the better show we make. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the Squawk Box. Hey, you boys, need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's
1: under control. Situation's on you. this is Tony saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. Now, as you all know, this is a segment of the show where I yammer at you for you know three to five minutes, bloviating about whatever I think is cool or pertinent or interesting. From time to time, a listener sends us something that uh, piques my interest, and we run with that. Sometimes listeners are trying to cause trouble, you know. But this week, I have to start with a question to our British correspondent, Mr. Rich. Can I call you Lennon?
0: Yeah, I think we're at this stage. Oh, okay, yeah. okay.
1: Okay, good. hey uh, Mr Mr. Lennon, sir, is is the UK Daily Mail considered a news
0: source over there? Not exactly. It's really good for when you're trying to house train puppies, but that's about as far as it goes.
1: Oh, uh, okay, okay, so maybe we if we should be a tad skeptical of whatever it is we read in its its pages. Yeah. Yeah, okay, all right. So, if the Daily Mail were to announce the possible construction of a giant space mushroom, and that it might be built with tiny robot spiders, we should probably do a little digging and find out if that's on the up and up.
0: Um, Honestly, that one could go either way at this point.
1: Oh, Oh, well, you know, as it turns out, though, I did do a little digging, and it's at least possible in fact, that's what Jonathan O'Callaghan reported in the Daily Mail on April 8th. Rather than the typical rotating torus or cylinder, usually depicted as the basic space habitat for humanity, United Space Structures decided to just go full-on Star Trek and stick a half-sphere on top of a cylinder, once again proving that whatever drugs Gene Roddenberry was doing in the 60s, predicting the future was indeed a side effect. The useful real-world problem-solving angle of this construction is that the two components counter-rotate, both stabilizing the attitude of the structure and providing near-Earth gravity conditions inside the surface of the cylinder. And this ain't no hobbit-sized shroom. Checking in at 1,300 feet or 400 arugulas in the metric system, and with a price tag of $300 bucks, that is not a toadstool you'd be kicking over on an afternoon hike. And just who will be building this orbital ode to Super Mario Brothers? Robots. United Space Structures reportedly has several patents in the works for robotic construction techniques that are, quote, different from those employed by a spider-like demonstrator pioneered by a company called Tethers Unlimited. That's right, they make tethers. And apparently, thruster gimbals, solar arrays, and a prototype satellite propulsion system that runs solely on the charge differentials created by Earth's magnetic field. And the designers aren't satisfied with making Earth's first orbital suburb, According to Bill Kemp, CEO of United Space Structures, the space shroom is, quote, large enough to transport all the people and equipment required to set up a colony on Mars and would orbit Mars and provide a safe environment while the Mars base is being constructed, end quote. So if these fungus-inspired folks think they can outwit the tether techs, maybe Jeff will be able to retire on the Red Planet after all.
0: So we're getting space dock?
1: We're getting space dock. This thing kind of looks like, it's like a really cheesy early version of space dock and they show they always show it depicted rotating on its side. I think they'd totally sell everybody on Earth if they just turned it ninety degrees upward and had it rotating on its on its uh, end, like on Star Trek. I mean and three hundred billion dollars, that's not small change, but it's not an unrealistic number for a space station. The Daily Mail might be on the spot on this one. I mean that could be a
0: really interesting thing. Plus, just looking at this sort of thing, it does kind of look a- sideways, a bit like a really large cruise missile with a bizarre ass end to it. So if it all yeah. goes wrong, just point it towards North Korea and let it fall out of orbit maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, you know, I I also see a resemblance to like a rather misshapen feminine hygiene product <laughs> or a Nerf dart <laughs> with an overly large uh, – yeah. you know, um, you know, rubber impactor. There's a lot of room for improvement on the concept <laughs> drawings. Not not simply just turning it upwards 90 degrees so it looks like Star Trek space dock. There's some work that their artist needs to put into this to make this a more you know uh, visually appealing, slightly less uh, phallic sort of sort of idea. Well, yeah, it, it needs some work. I think the idea is interesting, and it uh, it, it solves one of the big problems, of course, in, of you know space travel, which is the human body really isn't built for a zero g or a free fall environment muscle loss, circulation problems. Uh, what do you do with your hair? I mean, for God's sakes. So now they do have a demonstrator planned, like an intermediate step, like a prototype, and it would provide a 0.6G environment in something like a tenth the size that they have planned. So that's like a more feasible you know, mid-range step to sort of prove that it works. Uh, and even if that got put together, that could greatly extend the survivability of missions. You know, if you're yeah. under half a G rather than zero G. Jeff, you've been quiet. This is your retirement we're talking about here.
2: Yeah, I'll be dead before then.
1: <laughs> well, unfortunately, you may be right because the kicker of this whole thing is that uh, from the word go, it will take 30 years for them to put together this thing uh, according to their estimates. So,
0: the Jeff's immortal.
1: Yeah, you may be right. Have you read, seen, or heard something that you think is interesting to other citizens and civilians? Send us a note. Squawk at GuardFrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news.
2: 175 Port Bay, hands on approach, checker screen, call the ball.
1: Don't get taken with me. Our crowdfunding update for April 10th, 2015. 78,680,000, up about 900,000 simoleons. Thank you once again, Mr. Uh, Vanguard. Uh, Star Citizens, we've got 869,000 now, up about 7,000, and the UEE fleet has grown by about 6,000 ships, again to 671,000. Vessels.
0: Well, as you all know, this show is recorded live on Friday nights over at guardfrequency.com slash live, and sometimes magical things happen. Yes, as we're recording this show literally right now at 8.30pm Central, the game is being taken down to bring us patch 1.1.1. We've yet to see the official patch notes, so we're just going to sort of take our best guesses based on what we've seen on the PTU over the past few days. If we're wrong, let us know. The email address is Tony at GuardFrequency.com. Okay, (laughs) crystal ball time here. (laughs) Crystal ball time. Ah. All right, so... Although the issues with multiplayer stability are still present, this patch nevertheless brings a whole host of new features and even a few stability fixes. The full patch notes can of course be found in our show notes, but some of the highlights are The Gladiator will be flight ready The Vandal Cop swarm mode will come with more wreck per wave But wreck has been adjusted overall and pilots with a lower score relative to the average will contribute less wreck to the pool. Gunner Seat functionality in free flight for the Gladiator, the Super Hornet, and the Cutlass Black is now in. And if you want to try playing multi-crewed multiplayer, the functionality is only accessible after zoning into regular multiplayer free flight, each with your own ship, as you're currently unable to join a co-pilot through the lobby. So, guys, have you had a chance to play 1.1 yet? No! no. Alright, moving on.
1: <laughs> well, it's good to see it's finally out, though. I mean, uh, and they're kind of keeping yes. it to the schedule. I think it was two weeks ago they put it out. They're sticking to the schedule, you know, ready or not, here it comes. Hopefully they've managed to iron out some of the multiplayer joining bugs, although it's probably still going to be spotty until they completely finish, you know, their back-end restructuring. I've seen some people out there with connies. Man- some people have managed to sort of, you know, glitch their connies out into the free flight area, so I thought that was kind of cool. What we do have is uh, is the downtime will be hopefully just over Friday night, and then we'll have the weekend for people to sort of get familiar with it. And hopefully by the time you hear this on Tuesday...
0: Everything will be wonderful. Although that is pretty much what we say each week with each patch. Yes. But hopefully, by the time you receive this, (laughs) it'll all be fine. The
2: latest episode of 10 for the Chairman has been released in which Chris takes 10 questions from the subscribers and gives us all the answers we're dying to know. In this episode, Chris starts out by saying that this will be the last 10 for the Chairman for a while as he's off to the UK to help out with the mocap performances. As always, these episodes contain a lot of good information, so we highly encourage you to check them out for yourselves. But there are a couple of points we wanted to discuss. Firstly, two questions from Citizens Moadib and Rags. They asked about the resource gathering and whether we'd be able to fabricate weapons, armor, and ship parts. Chris lets us know that you'll mine the resources and then either refine them yourself or sell them to someone for them to refine and then deliver them to the economic node, in other words, a buyer. Initially, these economic nodes will be NPC-controlled, but eventually players will be able to own their own economic nodes and could even eventually have the whole manufacturing chain covered. At least that's the endgame level. Chris then goes on to say that we won't be in a position where everyone owns their own nodes and that we won't have the ability to fabricate weapons or armor on a small scale. Again, at endgame, you might be able to buy a factory ship that will let you manufacture items, but you certainly won't be crafting your own gear as you level. Well, what do you think about that, boys?
0: Well, I think, you know, first off, it's important to clarify that with Star Citizen, they're not taking the traditional MMO approach, so there is going to be no... End game, and there's certainly no levelling, but it's just the closest equivalent terms that we can find to describe what they're hoping to achieve with this system. I thought this was a really good couple of points to highlight how the resource collection the mining the refining and therefore the creation of items from that will work because in a lot of games even if you look at things like eve online or the x series you're basically able to craft anything from the smallest like shield rig upgrade all the way up to capital ships in eve you can buy blueprints to produce those provided that you can move all the materials around and so on and so forth But I found it quite interesting that the approach that they're taking here is that, you know, this is going to be at the end of a progression route, so only a select few who want to play the manufacturing-type role in the universe will ever be able to make anything, and everything else will need to be either supplied by them or the NPCs. So I think this will be a really good thing that organisations will be able to work towards as a whole, and I'm quite liking the approach that not everybody will be able to make something.
2: Well, a counterpoint to that is, is of all the games, I mean, I played EVE for many years. And the one thing I really, really liked about EVE was their industrial complex. And they really, really built quite the economy out of that, a player-run economy. Whether you hate EVE or, or like EVE or, you know, just don't care about EVE... I would say that it's one component of the whole game that really really seems to work. And you're right. You can craft your own crystal for your gun at one time or you can craft a million of them if you have the resources and there's a whole supply chain and whole player run, you know, somebody's going to see these on the market and come to you and buy them depending on the price that you set. So I was kind of hoping they would adopt that philosophy. You know, I think that you want to be a a magnet with nothing but NPCs on your or in your organization or whatever it is. You ought to be able to do that kind of activity.
1: I think you hit it. I think that's one point of view, but I think probably the game design differences between Star Citizen and Eevee, I think, sort of dictate them going this route. I mean, they really want to have a player-influenced economy, but they want the game company to be in charge of the production of goods in the virtual world. I mean, they really do want to limit the ability of any one person or one group being able to corner a particular market for an item or a raw material. And so I think that they kind of have to start from the uh, assumption that, look, at the beginning of the game manufactured goods are going to come specifically and uniquely from the server. We're just going to gin them up for you. We'll have the inputs that players mine and NPCs mine will sort of define the limits of how many of those goods are around and for gameplay purposes only certain things will be available in certain systems but we're in charge of that. We being CIG we're, we're in charge of that stuff. And then as time goes on and they and they when they when work the economy out, as it matures and they have an idea of how player interactions can influence the economy, then they'll probably open it up to a little bit to letting, as Leno was saying, organizations, I don't think they're going to build these nodes. I think they're going to take them over, whether it's a takeover by, by a purchase sort of a situation or an invasion even. I think they're going to be existing nodes that will become available for ownership by individuals or organizations. And then if that works... You might see it scaled down, but think about the world we're living in. This is not a world where you you know, roam the countryside to find a special flower that you mush into a powder that makes you have a special potion. That's not the world we're in. We're not in the world where if you level up to level 20 in the crafting, you only need four of those magic flowers instead of 12 of the magic flowers to make the special potion. We're not playing that game. We're playing it in an advanced economy where all the gear is technologically sophisticated and complicated. You need big manufacturers for that. So I think this design is true to the philosophy of the game and to the philosophy of their economic plan for the game.
0: And, yeah, I mean, this does mimic what we're effectively seeing in real life at the moment, which is I can buy a TV, but I can't make a TV for myself. Right. I might eventually be able to buy all the circuit boards and the components to create, like, a hobbyist's kit-style TV... But there's no way I'm going to be setting up, you know, Lenophonics next door and be pumping out uh, millions of these to flood the market. I
2: I disagree with that because I think that you could. I think that if you went to business school and did, you know, the right kind of purchases, eventually you could buy Sony.
1: Yeah, I think that's what they're going to have, Jeff. I think they're going to have it where you can buy, if not Sony, you'll be able to buy their manufacturing company. But I want to take your point, what you're saying, Jeff, and, and throw it in a completely different direction. Okay. 3D printing. I mean, 3D printing is just on the horizon here in the 21st century, and 3D printing is going to revolutionize manufacturing. You know, Lennon's point about being a hobbyist and Jeff's point about buying out a factory, why can't a hobbyist buy his own tiny 3D printing shop and then load it up full of blueprints full of you know pistols and handguns and then tweak the pistols and handguns to meet his own certain specifications? I think... The realism that they're going for in the CIG world is, is great, and I think that their control of the economy is a, is a game design decision and a necessity. But I think they need to explore that idea a little bit once they get their handle on the economy and maybe open that up to maybe not a crafting, a traditional crafting system, but odd lot manufacturing, let's call it that. I think that needs to be a thing at some point because that, that's a reality that's hitting just now in the 21st century on Earth. Well, that was technically the second thing we noticed in 10 for the Chairman. As most people picked up on, the first thing we noticed was the talk about Squadron 42 and the way it's being split into episodes. This caused no end of confusion, controversy, and crying on the forums over what we're getting overall, who's getting what, when, and why, and if you back that X point, will you get Y and Z, or just Y or Z, and the whole thing was just a mess. In the event you haven't had a chance to watch 10 for the Chairman episode 59, and you've not been to the forums, and you never frequent Reddit or the whole slew of other video game websites, let us explain how Chris did. Well, we've got a really big story arc, so we're going to split it into a trilogy like Wing Commander 1, 2, 3. Episode 1 is what people will play this year and has the equivalent of 70 Wing Commander-style missions. We're thinking it's like 21 chapters or so, and each chapter is a segment of missions, so it's about the equivalent of 70 missions Wing Commander-style. We think about 20 hours of gameplay. Episode 2 is Behind Enemy Lines, which I think that everyone that backed until 6 million gets for free, and then Episode 3 would be the year after. So we'll have each one of these, and each one's the equivalent of a huge AAA Call of Duty or better because we have a much bigger campaign." Well, this caused a bit of confusion and seemed to be in contradiction with the $5 million stretch goal, which reads, Squadron 42 will feature celebrity voice acting, including at least one favorite from Wing Commander and 50 total missions. And in the $6 million stretch goal, we were promised the first Squadron 42 mission disc behind enemy lines. Needless to say, the forums were ablaze wondering what we're actually getting. Is it 50 hours of gameplay or 20? 70 missions or 50? Has the game been shrunk? Are they doing an EA and saving parts of a completed game to sell us as DLC? Hmm. <laughs> well, luckily, friend of the show and community manager for CIG, Ben Lesnick, took to the forums to try to clear things up. Quote The hope from the start has been that Squadron 42 would kick off a whole series of games, much like the main series Wing Commanders back in the days while the Star Citizen Persistent Universe would kick off at an unspecified point in the future and continue to evolve its own way. I know we talked about additional Squadron 42s early on, because we joked about calling them Squadron 43 and Squadron 44 back in the early days. Smiley face. All you're seeing now is we're trying to figure out the best way to express that. Squadron 43 and 44 are good joke names, but don't really make sense. The only real change here is that behind enemy lines isn't a secret mission-style mission disc anymore. It's going to be the next part in the saga. At least some of our backers get a great bonus, an additional AAA single-player game because they backed early. As for estimated hours to complete the game, I can only say, it's a game, with no one way to play it, that we haven't even finished yet. Is that 20 hours to play straight through? 50 hours with every branching mission? I don't know. So if somebody asks me how long it takes me to play Wing Commander, what do I say? There's a reason they don't put those kinds of estimates on box copy. I will say, Squadron 42 is not any smaller than it was on the day we set out to make it. Content isn't being cut or subdivided or parceled out for extra revenue or anything like that. We mentioned 20 hours in one interview and 15 in others because someone was having two different thoughts about the same amount of content. It's in no way indicating that we've removed anything from the initial pitch, because we absolutely haven't. End quote. So, that should hopefully just clear everything up. What we pledged for at the start is now known as Squadron 42 Episode 1. The mission disc is now called Episode 2, Behind Enemy Lines. And Episode 3 is, as of yet... Titled.
0: All right. But, so so uh, you're
1: a golden ticket holder, Jeff. So, I mean, theoretically, you are in, you like getting as much stuff free as you possibly can. So tell me your reaction. What is your
2: thoughts? Well, I would have paid for the game anyway. Yeah. I, I expect a lot out of this game as a single player game. I buy Call of Duty, for example, because of the gameplay and I want to do the campaign. I don't buy it to do multiplayer. So I'm good either way. I'm sure that however they put it out there, they will do the best that they can for everyone that is backed and has stuck with them for as long as they have. And so I, I would not get my panties in a twist over this issue. All right.
0: Lennon? Um, when it all came out, I was sort of all over the place trying to figure out what was going on with it. And I I decided to just kind of take the whole meta approach because I, I knew as soon as I read it that the one thing I could be absolutely certain of is that Tony will have an opinion about this. Oh, absolutely. So <laughs> I decided... Let's not even necessarily form an opinion of your own at this point. Your point of view on it will entirely depend on why you backed and why you pledged. And if you were one of the original Kickstarter backers, then you probably pledged as much because you love Chris Roberts' games, and so Squadron 42 is a spiritual successor to Wing Commander, and this is just your idea of heaven as long as you get a Wing Commander sequel, you're going to be golden. The Persistent Universe is just pure icing on the cake. Squadron 42 is the cake, Star Citizen is the icing on it, and now you're being told there is additional cake. You know, everyone is a winner in this situation. If you're one of the people, though, that pledged for it because you wanted to play in the Persistent Universe, and I think this kind of applies more to the later backers, the ones particularly who have pledged ships. To use in multiplayer, to use in Arena Commander, then they're obviously going to naturally have a different take on this, and they're probably going to be thinking down the lines of, "I'm pledging for this persistent universe." I understand Squadron Forty Two was going to come out at the same time, but with this Part Two and Part Three, does that mean that resources are going to be diverted away from doing what they believe should be the core offering? And you know, how's that going to impact the timelines overall? Um, So. I'm kind of in, like I said, these two different schools of thought about the whole thing. Uh, for me personally, I'm absolutely fine with this. I kind of presume that when they announced it, given the fact that they've recently changed the game name from uh, uh, Arena Commander to Star Citizen, and they've started renaming it Star Citizen one point one point one point one point one point 1. 1. one, This was probably just a naming exercise like they've done with everything else. But, Tony... I am interested to hear your thoughts.
1: Well, yeah, as as you correctly predicted, I did have an opinion. Here we go, In, rant incoming. Three, two. Th- here's my thing. I am taking the position that there is no person or entity or group or anything that can tell Chris Roberts no. And to me, that's a problem. The stretch goals were laid out there. There's this. The Squadron Forty Two is the game, and then if we hit a certain goal, we get you know an expansion to that game, and then now we're having a part three where is that in the plan we don't know that's because we have lots of money now and we can afford to make it a part three and do our grand epic opera okay this is fine this is chris roberts vision and arguably anything that chris roberts envisions is part of the chris roberts vision i get that but unfortunately This is the first and only time that I am willing to countenance a feature creep argument from anybody and anywhere. And this is part where Ben kind of doesn't hit the argument straight on, and I haven't really seen or heard anybody look at it from this angle, but it's partially about a resource diversion from things that could be focused more on the Persistent Universe and the first two episodes of Squadron 42, but it's also a corporate governance thing for me that there is nobody there to say is this project this this sub part of the project is this line of production is this resource use committing to our main goal is this committing to is is furthering our core strategy to me the Squadron 42 first segment, first episode, is absolutely part of the core mission. It's absolutely part of the core goal. It's one of the main things, as as Glenda was saying, it people came out of the woodwork because they wanted a spiritual successor to Wing Commander. That Squadron 42 episode one is absolutely a core thing. The stretch goal, mission disc, well, that's maybe not core, but you promised it. So you really need to that's gotta be that's uh, gotta be factored into the resource decisions. The end of the trilogy? That's not. And it seems to me that you've made a lot of promises and commitments to people and going and putting the resources into episode three when you don't have episode one done, you don't have episode two done, and you don't have the multiplayer server out there that's going to provide the audience and the connectivity and the marketing and the constant revenue you're going to need to fully fund and finish episode three. None of that's there. In some ways, you are at least partially mortgaging the success of The Persistent Universe Episode 1 and Episode 2 to fund a third episode in a series, which I don't like, and that's and it's strictly from a corporate governance thing. There's no one there to tell Chris, whoa buddy, the cart is now creeping in front of the horse. Let's make sure we can execute this stuff right first then worry about producing episode three. This is not Lord of the Rings. This is not a slam dunk where, you know, you get a bunch of studios together, and invest a bunch of money into a book series that people have been dying for a movie for for half a century. It's not a sure thing. Get your core stuff done. Deliver your deliverables to the people that have handed you bunches and bunches of money. And then... Because it'll probably be gangbusters, it'll probably be great. You'll have all the resources you need to deliver on the third episode. But from a corporate governance point of view, I have a problem with this.
0: Yeah, now I did go on record, uh, recorded not only here but also on Galactic Inquiry, as saying that I think it was around the sixty million mark, mm-hmm. uh, and this was when we were having discussions about how much money is too much money, and yep. you know those those sorts of things. Yep. Um, and I can distinctly remember saying that. There needs to be a point where they need to stop offering stretch goals because of this worry about feature creep, which is very much what you're raising here. I think that one of the sort of main issues that we're now having, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw more of, was because they're not actually issuing stretch goals, we actually have no idea what features they're planning on including until they come out with an announcement along these lines and yeah this was probably just a complete throwaway comment by chris for all we know it's always been in the back of his mind it's always been part of the vision it's just maybe he never thought he could get funding for a trilogy to begin with so he never stated it but you know this has now since come out and it's caused a lot of questions and all that sort of thing so do you think that they could probably solve this by basically drawing up or rather publicly releasing a more in-depth roadmap of not just when things are going to be released and i know that they're a bit wary about giving specific dates so we've got that whole side of the coin but if they were to give a roadmap that says you know we're going to get this done we're going to get this done and then after this point that's when we start doing the concept art for episode three and the the white boxing for episode three you know if the, yeah. if that was all after the persistent universe launch would that help to solve this do you think
1: Well, it's a matter of degree. I mean, you know, if if you promise three deliverables and you've already budgeted for a fourth project in there to be working on concurrently with your three deliverables, if I'm the guy footing the bill for it, I go, what the hell is this thing? But if you if delivered one or two of the deliverables already, and then I see that you've got a budget for this other you know, fourth thing, I kind of go, well, the first two went great. So, I mean, if you're, yeah, it sounds good. I mean, you're, you're, you're executing and we've got some of the stuff under our belts. So, you know, I'm not going to have as big of a problem with it. Because then at that point, you have some footing and you have some experience and you have a base from which to take additional risk to further expand. You've got something to expand upon. Right now, we have nothing to expand upon. We have one module and one module that, you know, fingers crossed should be released any day now. That right there, to to be planning the third episode of a trilogy series when the first one isn't anywhere near done, and the physical assets uh, in the real world as well as the virtual assets that you need to accomplish episode one aren't done either. That's a problem for me. And I hearken back to our, our time with Star Trek Online and, and several of the interviews I've done with Al Rivera over the years, the lead designer over there. And We always lament the content drought, right? We always lament the fact that there's not enough story in that game. Well, story is like the best part of Star Trek Online, and I think it's going to be a huge part of Squadron 42 and Star Citizen World. But it's the most expensive stuff to develop. The script writing, heck, the motion capture. Geez, you know, Chris Roberts was flying to England to do motion capture. I mean, it's expensive. It's time-consuming. It takes a lot of man hours to... Create the environments and the and, the, and the, the the dialogue and the acting and the blocking and the and the mission triggers, and there's lots of problems with artificial intelligence, and you got to make characters animate special ways, because this guy has to open a can of soda with his left hand, because he doesn't have a right arm. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you have to do to make an episode work, and it's just time-consuming and expensive. And they're doing that now for the third episode. Again, I'm sure the game's going to be out. I'm sure the game's going to be delivered. I'm not naysaying on this. I'm not saying, Doom. that's not my thing. It's a corporate governance problem with me. There's got to be somebody inside CIG that can tell Chris Roberts, uh, no. Too much. That's too much. Stop right there. Finish this first. Do this later.
2: Tony, I see a lot of your points, and I, and I actually agree with a lot of them. You know, one of the things we were promised was, oh, you know, once we play the first episode, then we get to be this citizen, and that's what makes a Star Citizen. Yep. And we get, you know, all this other stuff in the Persistent Universe. Mm-hmm. One thing I have to agree with you on uh, is uh that there's no reigning in Chris and and he's got this now he's got this uh, bundle and I do mean bundle to kind of go wild with and there's no there doesn't seem to be any checks and and, and in fact to the point where we changed our whole way of how they gather money I mean you know two hundred dollars uh, for a for a fighter that you know we're not and as a quote yeah it's not really we're not really getting it it's just a digital you know piece of data that may eventually if there is a persistent universe you'll may eventually get to fly right yeah it's, you know, the, it's the it's the weird danger of crowdfunding yeah you're right yeah. right i believe it will be, it'll get pulled off i believe that we will get the games that we've been but i think lennon's right roadmaps where we put the first phase in we put the second phase in you know in the final phase and you know what feature is going to come with what and it's up there for everyone to see and it gives us our goals and our milestones all that and I think uh, we haven't seen uh, we really haven't seen anything like that yet yeah and
1: and if there was a board of directors or a venture capitalist funding group you know that had a meeting or something every month or every quarter that's the sort of thing that they would see well that doesn't exist in this context it's crowdfunding so, you know, we're going to get letters about Tony whining and being negative again. I'm, that's fine, guys. I'm used to it. And I'm a lawyer. I'm, 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 I'm supposed to be the guy that reigns on everybody's parade. That's my job. But it's important to ask these questions. It's what makes fans different from a cult. We can have a reasonable discussion about differences in, of, of opinion and ideas and then still walk away as friends. We're not quitting doing the podcast, obviously. We enjoy it. But it's important to just keep this sort of stuff in the back of your head because there is no one there that can tell Chris no. And I I don't think he has gone too far yet and I'm sure that he's he's an experienced guy and he's got an experienced team with him and I'm sure they've got this all planned out very nicely but there's just no one there that can call them to account.
0: I think one of the other things as well that we're likely to see from this because this has been my experience when dealing with other video games is that a developer which you know Chris he is a developer as well as owning the company, will come out and will accidentally say something, probably just by not thinking it through or like, oh, this is how I refer to it internally, so this is what I'm going to say externally which very much like this has caused some sort of, effectively, a marketing storm where people like ben lesnik have had to go on and go look, look guys chill what he actually meant was this that and the other so i wouldn't be surprised if in future things like 10 for the chairman won't have to go through an additional layer of marketing <laughs> processing just to say no chris you really can't say this right and it's well like, it's okay to think it but just yeah. you're the voice of the game as soon as you say it people will take it as verbatim and you know this could lead to that and the other so i think that like when they used to publish dates and now they've sort of reeled it in and it's like oh it's just you know quarter one 2014 i think we're going to start seeing it actually with this rather than going the other way and, and completely opening it and showing us the roadmap i think it's going to end up going more secretive i don't
1: i let i'm going to have to disagree with you and this is and this is the one thing that has me sort of yo-yoing back and forth between your your point of view which you know you're probably i mean 99.9 percent of the time you're right but i think this Again, with this weird crowdfunding situation, I think this 0.1% of the time, you might be wrong. Their marketing, their continuous communication with the community is how they fund themselves. If they tighten up the spigot, number one, there's no reason for us to keep watching 10 for the Chairman, because if it's just Chris reading from a prepared script that the marketing people have done, then you know why bother? Number two, then people start going, wow, they're not saying much anymore. It's just, I wonder if there's something wrong. I wonder if, they're, if everything's okay. And, that, and that, that talk just kind of snowballs because people assume silence is bad news. No one ever assumes silence is everything's great. We're just busy. And CIG's established a track record of talking all the time to the point that the press can't really cover CIG because they cover themselves. That's why I think that they can't. They can't turn it off like that. Because the, the knock-on effect of it will just be a loss of confidence from the community. So I think it's going to have to be their best bet in this situation is to come up with some kind of public roadmap, very detailed public roadmap that they're comfortable sharing like they would for a board of directors or a venture capitalist investor.
2: And this week's community question, when you pledged, what were you pledging for? Were you after a persistent universe, Squadron 42, or just the grand vision of Chris Roberts? What are your thoughts on the latest announcements with Star Citizen? Let us know. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceandmetries.com. But now it's time for news we didn't use. April's Subscriber hangar Player is now out. A model of the GN Cart to All. The latest
0: entry into the Galactic Guide, 78th Squadron.
1: Advocacy Archive, Manhunt. 4-Bit and Acord are down. The Deep Black
2: is a dangerous place. Meet the CIG devs, Episode 20, Thomas Hennessy.
0: Meet the man behind the camera. Inside CIG, Foundry 42, Germany, Überzeugen (laughs) Sie sich selbst, Seiger's Neuestes Bureauflation.
1: Right. Subscribers have been awarded REC for their loyal support. If you're a subscriber, check out the EA
2: Store. You may be in for a pleasant surprise. And Around the Verse, Episode 39. Now with 100% more weird robot arm grabby things.
1: I got an email from CIG, like 100,000 REC. Really? Yeah. I've been a yes. subscriber for more than a year.
2: And uh, so
1: I'm now filthy rich in fake money. <laughs> fantastic. So you, uh, I was <laughs> going to say, gonna... so
0: do you like the REC system now? Is this what this is come down <laughs> <Yeah>. to
1: <laughs> Well, now that I'm on top, oh, yeah, buddy. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, No, but I, like I said, I, I got an email that said that I had this r- ridiculous amount of REC currency, and I'm like, Wow! Now that I've just you know completely trashed the system and thought it was completely wrong, now they don't have to do anything to participate in it. Well, suddenly it's not so bad. I'm sure I'll probably be buying some things for the heck of it now because it takes no effort on my part. It just proves my whole argument about the whole. I'm not going to change my gameplay style to participate in the REC system, but if you give it to me for free, okay.
0: in the in the email, did it happen to uh, mention anything about a particular module coming out soon?
1: I don't recall. I was just I was struck by the headline number and trying to think.
0: About yeah, the... where the. F- is the first-person shooter module.
1: April has 20 more days left in it as the time of this reporting.
0: That's so. true. That's I mean, true. You know. I will ease up on them a little bit.
1: Yes, yes. The crystal The crystal ball may
0: still be right. That is very true. Well, for new listeners to the show, which I hope there are thousands of you, thousands. this is our little section of the show where we generally say what we've been up to this week. And, Jeff, I hear there's an interesting story about a throttle. Ha, ha, ha,
2: Well... Not so much the throttle as my entire joystick.
0: <laughs> hey, quit bragging, you know, just <laughs> it's
2: not just the throttle, ladies.
0: <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Well,
2: <clears throat> I I have been playing uh, Elite Dangerous with our illustrious co-host and our executive producer, and you know after three or four or five days of doing this, the other night we were going to go out hunting, and all of a sudden my joystick started messing up. I couldn't move, or it was jerky. I'd move, and then the ship would move, and it was like I tried everything I could, and it's like oh damn, I bet this thing went belly up. And I tried it the next day, and tried to move it around to different ports and stuff. And no, so what, what kind of joystick? was it Jeff? It was an X fifty two. I recently bought it uh, about eight, nine months ago. But but, now it's uh, dead. It's now it's dead. And what did you have to do? What did you have to do? I brought out my warthog. Mm Mm-hmm. The warthog has appeared. Yes, the warthog has appeared and I have spent (laughs) more time than I cared to make configuring this up to run Elie And I got it pretty well dialed in. It's smooth as silk. Let me just say that this is the the best damn space sim throttle ever and uh it's got lots of buttons and bells and whistles and i'm just trying to figure them all out how
1: how long did it take to get that thing set up 18 hours
2: uh, 18
1: hours to set up the joystick
2: the joystick is so complex that you know they use a special software to you know set up the joystick and then run the game for you while this special configuration is running in the background i didn't really want to do all that so Jeff, so Jeff, here's the here's the bottom line question here. How much
1: ballpark for me? How much you paid for the Warden?
2: I paid six hundred and fifty dollars, I think it was.
1: Okay, okay. And how much is a brand new Cytec X fifty two Pro? Uh,
2: about one hundred fifty two dollars.
1: So how many Cytec X fifty two Pros could you buy
2: and uh, just plug and play them. and go? Yeah, or
1: five of them, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you could have like backup upon backup upon backup. For the one, yes. more, and then ha- and also have eighteen hours of your life back.
2: Yes, and, and, I, <laughs> and it's not to say that I won't I won't get another one. I, I really like I like the X fifty two over the X fifty two Pro simply because of the color combo. Right now that I got a dead one here, I could buy an X fifty two Pro and put my covers on it, and I'd be you know silver and blue again, and not that ugly green. Well, now that we're all caught up with the latest news from Mirandaverse, it's time for a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back after this week's Nuggets for Nuggets.
0: You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets!
1: Can you mine all the asteroids?
0: Fire the mining lasers!
1: The Orion Mining Platform playset comes with the famous RSI Orion Mining Ship. Fire the mining laser at the voxelroids that are included. Watch them break apart.
2: Great job. Use the tractor beam to pull the smashed rocks into the cargo hole. Beep, beep,
1: beep. Be sure to press the scan button to check the asteroids for volatility. Be careful or they might explode and take your systems offline. Order more Voxelroids from your favorite entertainment dealer when you
2: run out! Arg! I'm Kin Shadow! I'm here to
0: steal your ore! Hand over the storealls or it's the void for you! Eat Flag Space Pirate, pew pew pew!
1: Bend off pirate packs with the Orion's four flat cannons, or purchase the Hornet Combat Space Patrol set to keep your mining operations safe! Open the side to watch the Voxelroids go through the refinery! Put your best refinery operations action figure in charge of the Mybotech Reader. Keep the materials flowing and avoid costly machinery jams. But wait, look at all those empty seats. They're just waiting for more specialists to get your Orion to full scanning, mining, and tractoring efficiency. There's room for six. Collect them all.
0: The ship is full, Captain. Let's sell what we found.
2: I brought my Sea. C. I can sell off the cargo while you keep mining. Get back to work.
1: Take your hard-earned, refined ore to the TDD and sell it for a profit. Then look for more asteroids to mine. With the Orion Mining Platform playset, you'll have hours of fun, just like real space miners. To Infinite
0: Space Space and Beyond! From Taigetsu Kids! The Orion Mining Platform playset comes with all you see here. Pyro Packs, Hornet Combat, Space Patrol, C CTDD playset, and all my protect figures sold separately.
2: It all started when I got scared. They said, (laughs) if I just inhaled, I wouldn't be scared, so so I inhaled. (laughs) I wasn't afraid anymore, but I should have been. I went blading in the grinder. (laughs) My friends and I just used slam because we thought I'd have a good time. (laughs) But now I use slam just to forget the pain.
1: Don't use SLAM. It'll make you fly a ship to Vandul space and get killed. Paid for by the Tarik Kiang Foundation to make teenagers stop taking SLAM and going blading.
2: Okay, buddy. What's on your mind?
0: We're all
2: friendlies!
0: So let's just... be friendly!
2: Some
1: say he's standing in the UK general elections for the constituency of South Thanet, and that his voice can be heard only by cats. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he will put together this week's feedback. Well, last week's community question was, we have motor racing and now space soccer. What other sports would you like to see, given a 30th century makeover? Ethan McAllister says, space cricket with guns. Enough said. Hmm. So how was the show this week? Did we? Just kidding. We've still got loads of feedback.
0: Sean Newboy says, as the A-10, have you guys heard that they're talking of cancelling them again? I love that killer helmet, by the way. Hella cool. In response to the community question, first response, Quidditch. More real response, Asteroid Racecourse. Best response some version of an Athlon where you have to have shooting segments and flying segments.
2: Celio Din writes in and says, I would like to see a cannonball run style relay. We you have teams of ships that need to get a baton of sorts to another system several jumps away, like at least five jumps. A ship can only jump once with a baton before handing it off to another ship via EVA. The other ships on each team can jump as often as they want to attack or defend the ships with a baton. I think it would introduce a lot of strategies, tactics, and ship selection for teams based on the starting and ending system. Bandol, pirate, alien, advocacy, and customs interference is just part of the game. Snowman writes in to say the sport
1: I would like to see in the 31st verse rollerball circa 1975 shoot an iron saddleball ball out of a cannon and have the players catch it in zero G wee <laughs> I like that
0: yeah some good good ideas there did any of you guys come up with any sports that you'd like to see in the 30th century by the way no,
1: nah, it, it was all over when Sealdian uh, wrote in cannonball run yeah absolutely just, just done the baton yeah, with
0: I mean, the EVA transfer yeah. that was the bit that sold it to begin with when yeah. I saw the baton transfer I was like eh. as soon as EVA yes That is what we should do, and I'll tell you what. Even if that's not an actual thing, I think we should organize that when the persistent universe goes live. Yeah, and that's
2: yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm not a big sports fan, but I do love racing. Saladin writes in and said, "Cannonball." Well, my thought was an endurance race where, in real time, that you would have to fly for so many hours. Oh God. you start, you know, one side of the galaxy and we know that you have to, you know, jump and configure. I mean, by the time you get down to it, towards the end of the race, after you've been up for six or seven hours flying this thing, you you might miscalculate a jump and get shot somewhere totally off course.
1: You know, you know uh, Jeff, you and me and Elliot have been playing Elite Dangerous until the wee hours of the morning right. on occasion this last week. And I, I have, in fact, courty faced myself a couple of times and like rammed into the inside walls of space stations right, and almost right. been blown away by the by the station's internal guns so what you're saying is a thing that might that might work because uh, there will be people courty facing themselves into the side of the jump tunnel or whatever it is
0: that we have so there were some good suggestions here although the, the thing about space cricket with guns now i can understand guns might make it a bit more interesting but i don't know if cricket's really a big thing over there or not but one of the things that we get about it over here is that it's one of the only games that you can play you can be four days, four days into a match and legitimately somebody could ask the question who do you think's going to win and you could actually get the response it's a bit early to tell
1: four days into the game yes
0: four days at a test and i thought
1: baseball took too long
0: oh yeah no 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 a, t- a test match will last for like i don't know i think the people who invented the game is still going so <laughs> i can see how the guns would be useful it might speed things up a bit you know
1: it would it would introduce a, a definite attrition element to the game yeah. yes You know,
0: and then we yeah. could combine this yeah. with jeff's you have to stay up in real time <laughs> that yeah that would that would,
1: that would that would compress it a little bit it wouldn't be four days anymore you know 48 hours
0: and ah yes time compression that's a good thing. It's, there you go. Yeah. yeah
1: it's still with attack compression. We'll let
0: that one feature a, creep in. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I like, I like the cannonball run aspect for another reason, too, is that uh, it, that one almost has to be player organized, right? Yes. It's almost like you can't do that one in the game server because part of the features of the, of the race would be it's going to go through the Vanduul system and they're going to attack you. Or you're going to blow past a checkpoint and the advocacy is gonna chase you.
2: Well so, and, and that's and the thing that, too, because you may not necessarily want to take your M fifty, you know, as a fast ship right. because you're you're outgunned. And so ship selection would be very key into this kind of race. I think
1: that's the suggestion winner this week, the cannonball run. I think that needs to happen. You know, there's Operation Pitchfork, right? That's the yeah. uh, the, Star- the citizen-led invasion of the Vanduul space. I think there needs to be an equivalent citizen-led movement here to introduce a cannonball run once we have the sector map figured out and, and where all the systems are going to be and where the danger points are. That needs to be a thing, I, I definitely think.
0: Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And in general show feedback, also from Snowman, he writes in to say, The Stella should be the jack-of-all-trades. Medbay, Combat Bay, Exploration Bay, Machine Shop, Assay Lab, Science Labs, etc. Maybe even with a modifiable P-52 to match the differing roles. A Wii ship for charting the jump holes or a pod for recovery. Think the choppers on M.A.S.H. Stealth, mm. Recon, Forward Observation, Passengers, small Smoker. He goes on. But the point is, mm-hmm. he thinks it should be very versatile. He follows it up by saying, "Good show, gents."
1: I kind of like the idea, and I hope they're doing this. Is that more than just the P-52 can dock using that collar? I hope that you know the P-52 comes with it. We know that the Andromeda is going to have the upgrade, the 72 or whatever. But I hope that multiple ship configurations will be able to use that docking collar. So, like like Snowman saying, you know, you can put a, a rescue pod underneath there instead of a, a escort fighter. That'd be pretty fantastic. Black Sun Redux says, guard frequency is the best frequency. Wise. Very wise.
0: <laughs> and both Half Shark, Half Man, and Wingnut10 simply say, thanks guys, and thanks, respectively.
2: Our resident problem, Ben Persper Sanders says, hashtag winning. Ken from Lovely Chicago says, guard frequency Friday is the perfect
1: start to your freak end. <laughs> I can't believe <laughs> hashtag it was right
0: there. Oh, come on. <laughs> It was good. It was it good. It was good. It was. Uh, Citizen Slumlord writes in and says he was listening here at the HQ while Godfreemsey was playing on the bass. Sweet. Delirium says, great show, guys. And Patreon Stain says, Was Jeff, in fact, unable to pronounce my name, or did I simply miss it? Kind regards, Stain. And he spells it out for us. And Shiv actually did reply, saying Jeff did actually pronounce it Stygian To which he said, well, that's not the worst I've heard, so I'll give it a pass. Keep up the good work. So, thanks, Stygian <laughs> <laughs>
2: This week, our latest patrons is our... You become a patron today. And this week's winner of Guard Frequency Swag, courtesy of Random.org, is, they call him, Tim! May or may not be an enchanter. Hmm.
1: And this week's Guard Frequency Community Question. Why did you back? Were you looking for Squadron 42? Was it the Persistent Universe? Was it just Chris Roberts' vision? Let us know. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post in our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. So, how was the show? Did we blow past the goal early or do we fluctuate at the end and just barely make the mark? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com.
0: Leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can also subscribe to us at feeds.guardfrequency.com or just find us on iTunes.
2: You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash guardfreak.
1: And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of Episode 67 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with Episode 68 on April 21st, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at guardfrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fansite subforum
0: please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways that we've just run down, you can also use the contact form on our website, and all of the details for all of the ways that you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes.
2: Do you like what we do? Want to come help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawkatguardfrequency.com. And if you just can't get enough spaceship podcasting, why not check out our sister production, Priority One? They cover Star Trek Online and the Greater Star Trek Universe.
0: Just go to Priority One Podcast.com. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Well, check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, Robertspace forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you should come and join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording around 8.30 p.m. Central. That's Saturdays at 2.30 a.m. GMT.
1: We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to community manager Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist Simon Trollton edwards and our assistant audio engineer Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner The Bass, and thanks to Ronald Jenkies for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkies.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you, folks, for tuning in. No one's listening out there; deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Ten, two, three, three, zero. Carol, one, five. Squawk seven, seven, zero, zero. Stay on the ground.
2: Two questions from citizens Moadeep and Rags. Ask about I know how to say Moadib by the way.
1: Thank yeah, I was gonna say, the- I mean, come on, Lennon. What this is the crowd you're working with here, Muadeb. I mean, who doesn't know Muaddib?
0: I notice how he, he didn't confirm he knows how to pronounce the word rags though. <laughs> <laughs>
2: mm, that cleared it up for
1: you? Not not really, no. Not <laughs> okay, so I was okay. gonna say,
2: because no. that didn't clear it up for me either. Uh,
1: yeah. Now, Jeff, you know, uh, Jeff, you know, neither you nor I are famed golden ticket holders, like our executive what? producer, Elliot Tan, who never no, fails. Jeff is. I am a oh, you golden are? ticket holder. Yes. You are?
2: Oh, yeah, I've been, I've you been, never
1: remind me about it as much as Elliot does. Elliot rubs it <laughs> in my face
2: all the time. How come you don't? Because I, I we told him to shut up. <laughs> yeah, you told me to shut up about it. <laughs> well, do you listen, listen to me when I tell you what to do, Jeff? Yes, I do.
0: Oh, you're a hell of a guy. I like you. We yeah. here at Guard Frequency don't say anything we don't believe in. We'll pretty much believe anything if you pay us enough. <laughs> we can be bought, yes,
1: yes. Our, uh, <laughs> the opinions expressed by the host of Guard Frequency are for sale. Uh, so <laughs> drop us a line. Squawk at <laughs> guardfrequency.com.
0: And Patreon Stain says Was Jeff in fact unable to promote. Pr- Was Lenin in fact unable to pronounce. <laughs> pronounce- Tune in next week to find out.
1: Was Lenin in fact unable to pronounce <laughs> Hitler?
0: Eat Flag Space Pirate! Pew pew pew!